Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I sit down with Mark McKee, who's uh, known for doing thousands of skateboard graphics over the years. And uh, if you skated in the uh, early to mid-90s, you'd definitely know his stuff. How you going, Mark? Uh, good. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to uh, sit down and have a chat. No worries. Yeah. So, um, so you've done like, uh, like lots of skateboard graphics over the years. Like how long have you been doing yeah. it for? Like, when did you start? Uh, 1989. Jeez. You're still going strong. Um, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working at a slower pace these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you got your start doing, um, like, graphics for BMX Company in the 80s, didn't you? Yeah, around 88. Um, I started working for this BMX company called Bully. And it was uh, owned and operated by this like pr- pretty much like the most famous BMX uh, freestyle rider in the 80s. His name was R.L. Osborne. And as fate would have it, he rented out a room to Steve Rocco <laughs> and Rodney Mullen in his huge house. <laughs> so that's how I hooked up with uh, Steve and Rodney. Yeah. The, and, the so, next year. and so like did, you, like, like did you have any interest in, um, in skating or at the time or anything or even BMX or – Anything like that? Um, I was still riding BMX at that time. I had really fallen off skating. I really only did it like as a little kid. Um, yeah, so I was just mainly into art at that at that um, towards the late eighties. Yeah. So, um, like, how like how did uh, Steve and Rodney go about um, acquiring you off him, off the BMX guy? Uh. Uh, just Steve, I think, must have phone, called me on the phone one day um, after I'd, he'd seen some stuff I'd been doing for RL for like the previous year. I did a bunch of like t-shirt graphics, uh, like catalog covers. There's not a whole lot of uh, like art space on a, on a bike. <laughs> so it was really fortuitous that I shifted over into skating because it's like the perfect canvas. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, some would say that, but it's a bit of an awkward shape. Like I know you've uh, obviously mastered it over the years. There's a lot more room than a bike, but um, and you know it's better yeah. than skis and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Looking at the shape of a skateboard, um, it's sort of uh, so thin and narrow. Yeah. And tall, you know, like if you have well you back any... then when I first got started, boards were still shaped. Yeah, I guess. So. And uh, yeah. you would actually get the shape of the board, and, and uh, you know, do the graphic right to the edge, and you didn't have to go any further. Now it sucks because like there's these heat transfers. <laughs> So you have to do more of the graphic because they shift slightly on the board. And that used to always irritate me like when we did slick bottoms because this that was a plastic sheet with a um, sublimated uh, print on it. And that would shift too during the pressing. So you'd have to do extra part of the graphic that wouldn't end up showing on the skateboard. <laughs> yeah. Like extra so, time. So you have to um, – so it's sort of like adding bleed if you're working in print. You know, you got to yeah. – apply you know use more of the image and all that sort of stuff make sure there's nothing too good right there yeah yeah so when you started working uh for rocco world industries did you have any idea like what like what the company was going to go on to do like because when you started they were in a bit really different place then you know with um the more the um venice style graphics yeah they had an artist uh, like a freelancer uh, doug smith he did a bunch of jesse martinez's graphics and jeff hartzell's and then uh Rodney used a friend of his. I think his name was Wade or Wayne, but he was on the East Coast, so that was kind of difficult, I guess, for them to work out back then. 
Yeah, I heard. Uh, I was reading that um, Doug Smith would like sort of supply graphics like drawn with a sharpie on the back of a pizza box, and you just go, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the story I heard. Yeah. <laughs> he would actually like use a razor blade to sharpen the sh- to make the sharpie like have a finer point. Yeah. Another thing I heard. I'm not. I don't know. I've never seen it yeah, all, <laughs> done. Or myth, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, like you played a, a major role in the transformation of skate graphics in the '90s when it, it was all like skulls and swords. And like you started yeah. bringing in more of a um, like controversial comical style. Like, were you yeah. like deliberately trying to change the game, or were you just sort of doing doing your style? Well, the first graphic I did was the Mike Valley Barnyard or Animal Form, I sometimes call it. And like the idea, like, didn't have any skulls <laughs> at all, you know, in the theme. It was supposed to be like a farm scene. So that was my first graphic, and you know, it's like. You know, I was just like 20 years old at the time, and, uh, you know, I didn't know it was going to even be like a steady thing of work. <laughs> so, um, and also I was really into cartoons always. <laughs> and it, you have to, I think it's important to differentiate like your brand from other companies. <laughs> and that was the prevailing trend back then was like <laughs> skulls and, uh, uh, well, Santa Cruz wasn't so much that, but they definitely weren't cartoons. <laughs> yeah. So that was our niche, I guess, back then. Yeah, Santa Cruz more had like blood and slime and stuff like that. And then Pal yeah. had all the skulls. And yeah, kind of like gross out. Yeah. Yeah. So you just sort of bought your own style to it? Because I was reading that um, Vallely had uh, like the idea for like an old old style painting for that graphic. And then you just, he was off on tour and you just you and Rocco just made it like more more comical, cartoony. Yeah, I think Mike, when he first saw it, he probably thought it was like making fun of, of the idea, which is like about vegetarianism. But, and I just saw it as like kind of a, you know, making it seem appealing. <laughs> it was kind of silly too, looking, but like he had me take out one element. I had like, there's these, there's a, there's, on the graph, there's a horse behind the barn. It's a girl horse. And there was originally another male horse head above hers <laughs> behind the wall so you know they're supposed to be copulating <laughs> and uh mike's like can you please take that out which which i did yeah so in those early days when you started um working at uh at, for world industries like that was when they had the they were having the the beef with like pal peralta and all that like um did you enjoy working under those um circumstances where there was like you're battling the, op- the opposition uh yeah i did like <laughs> i even like suggested to steve that you know you know he uh tell george and stacy like what we're up to and like maybe they could join in on the on the fun <laughs> but you know they, they didn't really want to like um retaliate or, or anything like that because i just thought like in the 80s like the cola companies would like have these rival you know commercials on tv um you know criticizing each other making fun of each other so i thought like that's kind of thing could go on and skate um but it, it ended up being sort of one-sided yeah and like uh, because with with that situation i guess like they you know pal Parada struck first out of world yeah. industries so like you guys weren't like looking for trouble so much but then uh you know if someone sort of had a go at you you just sort of retaliate and and get them really like I noticed with like Rocco is sort of um, 
he seemed like one of those guys that if you if you mess with him, he'll get you back, but he'll just like be one of those real clever guys and just destroy you, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty ruthless um, in, in that respect. Uh, but then again, if you're on his side, he can. Uh, your situation could be really quite good. Yeah. Would he just say, all right, we've got to get these guys? Like, what, what can you come up with? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a fun job, though. <laughs> yeah. Thinking of ways to stir the fight. Looking, looking back at it, like, I, I kind of like... Um, kind of wonder at like how i had so much nerve like <laughs> to do those some of those graphics it's like like who the fuck was i <laughs> to be making fun of like tony hawk's graphic like tony hawk is like the all-time <laughs> greatest skateboarder even back then you know what was i thinking i, I don't know that was good that, that was legendary those <laughs> graphics i remember when they came out it was um because you at first you think oh like power of re-release some graphics and you look closer and it's like, <laughs> fuck they're blind it's sick yeah, another way they look at it is, um, like, Powell was, like, such an epic, like, the Bones Brigade, that was, like, such an epic team, you know, throughout the 80s and, and, and on and on. But it's kind of like when you're on, on that pinnacle, you kind of, like, invite um, parody. Mm. You know, it's like people make joke songs about, like, famous songs. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that the, the song is, <laughs> you know, maybe it doesn't deserve that, but it's just because it's so popular, um kind of invites that yeah yeah and i guess also when th- something's iconic as well it um you know there's a lot of parodies done on it yep you know and just, a lot of it was like for, for like you know just the kids skaters too it's like it, they must have you know like yeah thought it was pretty hilarious <laughs> yeah totally like i've um i've got the uh the danny way dodo t-shirt that you did that was before the jason lee like I know, so they, I guess yeah. they re-released it or something like that. But I've um, yeah, I, I don't even remember I was making production of that, but maybe somebody else did. Yeah, I think it's quite new, so I think it's a re-release, obviously. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it was good to see. I saw it, and it was, it was on, it was in the sale bin. And I was like, man, I'm getting that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear many uh, clothes with prints on them, but it was uh, yeah, I had to had to jump on that one. So, um, so during the uh, during the '90s, like you um you famously like knocked off like a lot of like graphics and also stole um like you were pretty ruthless in just sort of um, finding an image and just using it whether you had copyright or not you know did you ever get in trouble for that type of stuff um i guess we never really did until later um we did um a graphic for rocco he wanted like Pooh bear he had had two previous boards with Pooh bear on it from winnie the pooh and uh, we didn't hear from Disney uh, from the skateboard, but then, like, in the mid-'90s, we used the same graphic on a snowboard. And, I mean, I guess that's more on the radar of, like, like <laughs> people that are adults. <laughs> Somehow somebody saw that. And then we had to settle out of court with Disney um, and pay up for that. And then one other uh, cease and desist that we got that – involved a settlement was uh from hell's angels this was like later in the 90s like uh it was one of those cartoon world boards and it said uh it was a it was a fighter plane with hell's angels written on the side <laughs> and then uh we tried to uh, contest it by saying well no this is about the hell's angels that were um fighter pilots in world war ii not the motorcycle gang they're like well who the hell do you think started the motorcycle gang <laughs> we own the trademark to that <laughs> 
so we have, we have to pay up for that. Yeah, I guess you don't want to, um, you know, carry that beef on too far, do you? No, they're, they're pretty fierce with their trademark enforcement, as far as I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're fierce with a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> were there um, were there any like graphics that you did that you loved that you, that never saw the light of day? Um. Not really. Everything there was pretty much no filtering process. Um, yeah, we just used everything. Like, in fact, you know, once World got up and running um, after a couple of years, Rocco was using like so many different freelancers. Like, our art department had like three or four guys just working in the art department, just doing like tons and tons of graphics. So there's a constant need for graphics. Yeah. Was there um was there any graphic that's like your all time favorite? Um, well, I'm really attached to the um, board I did for Nodis with a, a devil worshiping theme, <laughs> <laughs> just because I think like that kind it kind of had a meandering path and to end up as his board. Yeah. So at first it was going to be for another writer, Jason Lee, who didn't want it, and then finally Nodis just stepped stepped forward and said like, you know, I hear so much crap about my name growing up like it would probably be pretty funny to use it for my graphic because you know he used to like i heard like like his t-shirts were banned from schools like you know because they say not us and then the, the faculty or the teachers think it's like satan spelled backwards or something and yeah he must have got pretty tired about that yeah i was reading that um that rocco offered um jason lee a hundred grand to take that graphic on uh, it was only 10 grand oh 10 grand sorry <laughs> 10 grand. left a zero off there's still 10 grand in back then to a to a young skater would have been heaps and then well he gave he gave it back and just said i can't do this yeah <laughs> i think he was getting uh grief from the other side from from the gods saying uh, don't do it and it worked out better <laughs> with notice because it made a lot more sense and I also like how that board is screened uh, backwards. <laughs> you know, it kind of adds to the evil theme. <laughs> is it? You know, it's like the nose is pointing down when you look at the graphic. Oh, yeah, it's all upside down, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, I thought it was uh, pretty cool that um, there was that picture of Eze holding a skateboard and it was that, that board. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty... the story I heard is uh, Nodis' friend, um, I think his name is Michael Miller. He's a photographer. And... Uh, from I guess Santa Monica, and the, at that time in in the '90s, he was shooting all like the hip hop um, musicians, and he, I think that might have been his board, and he gave it to Easy E to hold for the photo. Okay, that's it's pretty um yeah it's pretty cool because like it was such like such a hardcore um graphic. He's, he's flashing and... a gun. He's brandishing a gun. Is he? Easy E, yeah, oh, the photo. It, it just adds to it. It's better than him having like um. I don't know some like shitty board that, that you know, yeah that no one would care about. It's like all the skaters sort of knew. It's like man, Easy's got the got the nice <laughs> devil worshiper board, <laughs> fresh. Um, so um, you started doing your graphics before the um the digital age. Like, do you still you know do all your graphics by hand and or like you just jump straight on the computer these days? Yeah, I'm pretty much always on the computer. I'll sketch something out by hand in pencil and then scan it, and then I usually trace it in Illustrator or Photoshop. But here and there I've done done some stuff by hand, but it's just really time-consuming. Like I did some paintings uh, for some portrait graphics for 
Cliché, which was one of our other brands uh, recently. I think that was back in maybe 2013. So that was probably really the last time I painted any graphics. Yeah. So with all the the pre-digital graphics you did, do you have do you, uh, did you keep all the um, original drawings? Um, what happened was uh, as world grew and grew, like from you know, I starting out in the '89. I was in the second warehouse that we had, not in the original office space. Then we moved moved warehouses, and along the way, <laughs> around 1991. I had all my original art stored in a box in the warehouse, and somehow it didn't make make the journey from one warehouse to the next. So, uh, you know, like the original Valley Barnyard is lost, the Nottest Devil Worship is lost, like everything from that era is gone. That sucks. Yeah. Um, so have you kept any of the boards? Yeah, I would keep one of each. And uh, up until like maybe five or six years ago, I stopped doing that. But yeah, I have I kept all the ones from like the you know starting from the Valley Barnyard. But then like over the past couple of years, I sl- I've been slowly starting to sell some of them, just because like these some of these collectors are just you know kind of insane over the prices and just like you know wanting to, to like <laughs> recapture the board that they used to skate. So. Yeah. You know, they're no, they're not doing anybody any good, like just in boxes in my garage. Yeah, but at least with the collectors, you know, they're going to a good place and they'll be like looked after and held onto as well. It's not like you're, yeah. they're just going to get them and give them to their, set them up for their kid and go here, yeah, go skate. Yeah, yeah they're not going to flip them. Like they they really <laughs> sincerely want you know their skateboard back from when they're in middle school. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, because I I remember uh. Like I've actually met you in, when you came to Melbourne years ago. You had um, there was okay. an exhibition in in Paran here, and they had a whole bunch of your graphics. Um, yeah, Trombone Coach. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, were they? Was that your board collection? That like some from your board collection that I had up there, or was that other people's that they had held on to? Uh, it was probably mine and Sean Kleiber's. Sean Kleiber wasn't at that ex- exhibition, but the show was like a like a you know a, a like a show for both of us. But then he was in the next two um, locations for the show. We went to Sydney and then the Gold Coast. I didn't go to the Gold Coast. He didn't go to Melbourne. Yeah. That was a good show. I was really surprised. I didn't even know it was happening until the day. And I just rocked up and it was like, and yeah, I was, I was stoked to see all the, uh, all the old Sweet. boards on the wall. And then to see you there as well. I was like, man, this is, this is good. It's good having like Globe in Melbourne, you know, like sort of yeah. having the link with World and all that and Dwindle. But, um, I know you've exhibited like your um your art in like skate graphic exhibitions, but have you ever like exhibited any of your art outside of the skateboard world? Um, I guess back in this would kind of qualify in 2011. Uh, there's a gallery in uh, in Melrose, uh, in, sort of by Hollywood, West Hollywood, called uh, Heavyweight. It's just like spelled H. V W and then the number eight, and you know they, they do like they do like non skate art there too, like in photography. Um, so that's that's a that's a gallery. That's a proper gallery. <laughs> yeah. Have you had? But any... everything else has been like. Sorry, guy. Everything else has been in like I think for the most part like like we had another one of the locations for that show that was in Melbourne was uh, in FTC in San Francisco. So that's like a skate shop. Yeah, not many galleries. Yeah. 
have you ever had any drive to do anything like that or are you just focused on um on working in the skate industry um eventually i'd like to do that um but i kind of like the routine of going into like just going into work every day and just sitting in an office like i, I don't know if i trust myself like just working on my own independently <laughs> probably just like drink beer and play the guitar all day and not get any work done <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, once the once you uh, the bills start rolling in, trust me, you'll start you'll start working. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they are uh, when they started making like slick boards, like did you find yourself making a lot more paintings for graphics instead of just drawing all the time? Uh yeah. I mean, I didn't do a lot of paintings, like because it would take up to like three or three weeks to do each uh, painting. But that was great. Like that was great to like be able to like learn on the job. Like I had never done an oil painting before and got to do that on a, um, like a real canvas. Um, use my airbrush for something that actually got made. What, what were those? Uh, what was the oil painting graphic and what was the airbrush and stuff? The oil painting was this graphic for uh, one of our writers, Javante Turner, <laughs> um, when he was on World Industries. And his mom brought in, like he had his mom come into the office and they had this postcard and for idea for a graphic and it was kind of racist you know because like that used to be a thing where like they'd have black memorabilia but it'd be like caricatures and you know i don't know who the audience was for it like you know like former like plantation owners or something but i'm like okay if you want something like that i can do it and so it was like this graphic that i would call the napping negro kind of playing off like the lazy stereotype but I made a proper like oil painting of it so that like we could treat it as like a collectible. <laughs> so when we advertised it, you know, it was advertised like, you know, like a collectible that you could buy. Yeah. I remember the ad and it had like a, a nice frame around it and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, did any of the um, like skaters get pissed off about their graphics? Like, because with the, um, like the napping negro like you also did the um like chico brunez orange vendor and day one song like hot dog on a stick and all that like there was a lot of um i guess playing up on um stereotypes of uh, racism. yeah it got old after a while so i stopped doing it i don't i don't i think chico was definitely fine with that orange vendor um uh but i think uh we showed the hot dog on the stick one to day one recently uh, at, at almost or one of our other brands and uh he didn't really. Res- I don't think he really responded, so I don't think he was too into. Re- We're not going to be reissuing that one. <laughs> yeah, like one one of my favorite um, graphics. Like it was, it was so simple, but it's so good. I, like I always love that Javante at night graphic. Like I was um, that, that, I, for that. That was Javante's idea. Yeah, he wanted that. Because I just remember, like I, I was young, so I didn't see any race, racism in it or anything like that. But I just, yeah. but, but you know, like. When you're young and you're skating, you just see the the latest boards from the the best skaters from the best companies and all that, and you're just like, man, I want that one. You know, I remember seeing um, I remember seeing like the lo- the local shredder, you know, um, riding it and just thinking, oh man, like he's the he's the best local skater and he's got the freshest board. You know, I, I really wanted that Javante at night board. <laughs> How'd you feel when uh, like Sean Cliver um, joined the team? Because he, were you hesitant because he was like ex pal employee and stuff like that, or were you like happy to? Have, have him join the team i was stoked to have him like you know in, in the art department with with me like that was really like we got along really well we were both like we kind of like have a similar temperament like where, where we could just work side by side and just listen to music all day and not really bug each other 
But at the same time, I, I think like that was really like a, a smart move on Rocco's part <laughs> because it made me step up my game a little bit, you know, because suddenly there's another artist full time and in, in the, in the, in he's really good. <laughs> you know, so I couldn't really slack off. Yeah. Yeah, because he, uh, he'd done a lot of different styles over the years. But then I noticed that, like, the, um, sometimes with you two, you look like you fed off each other. And, um, like, he'd do graphics that had a similar vein to yours and then and vice versa, you know. Yeah. Really really mix it up. You look you're like a, a good pair. Yeah, I've co- kind of co-opted some of his, like, techniques, like, where he, like, he does a lot of, like, landscape horizontal graphics where it's just, like, a really intense scene. <laughs> I didn't do do a whole lot of that in the very beginning. Yeah. So as the popularity of skating grew and the turnaround of graphics became more frequent, like I read in um, Sean Cliver's book, Disposable, that you two had like a a piece of paper that you'd just cut the shape of a skateboard out of it and just hold it over things and go, there's a graphic. (laughs) There's a graphic. Is that true? Uh, That is true. It's called the Magic Graphic Finder (laughs) because by then it got to the point where like the writers would be like, like Krieger actually emailed me about this recently. He's like, yeah, I want to re-release one of my earliest graphics. I used to skate in this bank, in the Union Bank parking lot. And like, so he got fixated on the Union Bank logo. <laughs> and that's what he wanted for his graphic back then. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> Be a little bit more creative. But I mean, I guess that, that can mean a lot to somebody, you know, if that's their skate spot. Yeah. Did any good graphics like um, come out of that Magic Graphic Finder? I don't think so. I think we just did it for our own amusement. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were kind of making fun of that whole process where it's like people would just, skaters would just bring in like, like famously Cliver uh, actually had to redraw this graphic because Rocco said it came out kind of not good because Sean just was not into it. It was like, there's this motel chain in California called Travel Lodge and their logo is a sleepwalking bear, <laughs> but just a silhouette. <laughs> you know, with like a nightcap on and Sean's like, okay, I'll, I'll draw this, but <laughs> you had to draw it twice <laughs> for uh, Chico. Yeah. Did you have, um, do you have any pro skaters who are difficult to deal with? Um, I don't know. It just, sometimes you just have different, different tastes. And, and like, I, I guess like maybe the main thing I would say about that is, uh, as an artist, you don't just want to copy stuff, you know, like you don't want to do the union bank logo <laughs> for a graphic or like Jason Dill, like he would bring in, like he had me like just copy this Alphonse Mucha poster. I, I like Alphonse Mucha. He's like this great Art Nouveau artist, but you know, looking back on it, like, you know, the reason why I like kind of acquiesced to that was because at that point we're like, we were getting paid per graphic. So it's like, all right, it's a paycheck. I'll, I'll do it, but it's not really my my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Did you um, did you uh like prefer to sort of get something and put your own twist on it? If someone wanted you to um like recreate something, would you sort of add your own own vibe? To yeah, it? I would do that occasionally. Like um, there was this graphic that was on Blind, and it was a parody of uh, D- Disney's Beauty and the Beast. And originally, the the idea came from Daywan. So Daywan was explaining the idea to me. He's like, yeah, I want uh, to have like, or maybe somebody else was explaining it on behalf of Daywan, but the idea that they had was like, yeah, I want it to be like the aftermath of when Beauty and the Beast are living in the castle and there's cobwebs and it's, you know, they're they're older and, you know, time has passed. I'm like, and then just like, (laughs) I kind of interrupted them. 
And I'm like, no, there can only be one graphic with Beauty and the Beast. He has to be fucking, you know, doing doing her doggy style. Like that's the, the logical conclusion that you might. So you know, of course, I'm not going to give that to Daywan. So we just stuck Henry Sanchez with it. <laughs> Did any? In my uh, mind, sorry, the only way. In my mind, that was like the only way that the graphic could be done. Like, yeah. Did any anyone complain have... when you like you do stuff like that? You just sort of uh, come up with a graphic, an idea, and then just go, "Oh, we'll just chuck this skater's name on it." Um. Yeah, I don't really remember too many complaints because you know a new graphic equals more board royalties <laughs> so i think they're fine with it um and i don't think we we ever did anything really like you know like with jason we didn't stick him with that devil worship gra- graphic you know we gave it to somebody else but yeah i can't really remember just they were just really into getting new graphics all the time you know getting getting the royalty checks yeah because i i've noticed like randy colvin always got pretty obscure graphics yeah, um, his name was just shoved on some of them, wasn't it? Like because he was in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, that's the excuse we gave our gave it. Like because he, like all the other skaters, are mostly from LA, and they come in the office quite often. But Randy's like way out there and way over in Arizona, an eight hour drive or something. And uh, yeah, they probably weren't his choice. But you know, some pros, not every pro is like Ed Templeton or Mark Gonzalez that like you know has a strong you know idea of like an artistic impulse of what they want to represent them you know some skaters they just want pro board and uh you know they're fine with whatever yeah like it means a lot to them but the i guess they're not too caught up with the graphic you know yeah they're gonna just take the board and you know the graph will be gone like the first day skating yeah so um was it your idea to do the um the censorship graphic for randy colvin um I think so. I think it was Rocco's idea to have the black bag. I, just the way that I remembered it was like the graphic that he had for his first graphic was that velvet one, which had like um, an African girl in a bikini with a tiger. So we're like, oh, people like girls on boards. So then we upped it to the naked girl. Yeah. Because I remember when that came out, it was like you just you go to the skate shop and there would just be this um, black bag up on the shelf and it's like well what's in there you know most of the skate shops had it um you know cut open so you'd have a look and all that but it was pretty uh <laughs> pretty groundbreaking like no one had ever done that before to think to because a lot of boards are bought off off their graphic you know and yeah this way you, you, you know you look at the shape you look at the brand you look at the skater and the graphic and that's how you sort of choose your board and there was just suddenly this black black bag up on the wall with a board yeah, you can't even see like, the shape yeah, or the like, oh, graphic man, that's uh <laughs> That's pretty, uh, pretty um, groundbreaking idea, you know. It was, it was popular. It's still, you know, it's legendary till to, to this day. It's a pretty, um, pretty iconic way to go about it. You know, I guess, um, like, did you, do you have any other like ideas like that that you, you just went with, or was that like the most um, sort of outside the box thinking that you guys went with Mark as far as marketing a board? Oh well, his Randy's first board though with the velvet that was pretty unique because then you know we actually like screened glue on the board for the black pass and then they sprinkled the flocking so it looked like a, um ended up ended up, ended up being a, like a velvet board and uh yeah i really i like how that came out because didn't um nate jones do one for real and they like they ripped that off as well like they they did a velvet board as well for real like back in those i like, would have been 2001 or something 
Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't see that. Yeah, I'm just nerding but, out a bit, I guess. Like I, I, I was working in the um for the, the company I was distributing real at the time, and and yeah. all the dwindle stuff as well. And I just remember that board came came through because I, I didn't I didn't know about the Randy Colvin one until after the Nate Jones one. You know, it's like they are. Uh, they oh yeah, 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 your yeah. Idea. <laughs> yeah, it's funny now. Now all these graphics that I did like so early on, like sk- skaters don't even know about them because they're so young. So like we did a like a remake um, of one of the old world boards <laughs> for one of our newer companies almost, and then when people saw it online, they're like, "Those those guys are ripping up DGK because like DGK did their version like you know in two thousand or something." It's like you don't even remember the original graphic for World Industries. Yeah. Um, so looking at all like all the graphics you've done over the years, like you've you know, you've really mixed up your style, but you're mainly known for like the um, comical cartoony style but like you've also worked with like collage and painting and other mediums like do you do you enjoy messing around with the other mediums uh yeah definitely some are more challenging than others like like kind of like you know i'm i did those cartoon characters like for blind and world industries like in the mid 90s to the 2000s that were like you know flame boy and that that stuff (laughs) and uh like not that i want to revisit that but those were like quite easy to do because like they're basically just happy face drawings. <laughs> um, yeah, when when you did those um like like Devil Man, Flame Boy, and Wet Willy graphics, were they like did did you just do them for a one off graphic and then like Rocco was like, oh, we got to run with these? Um, no, I, I wanted it for the company logo and, and for the company to be to be themed that way. So and then Rocco was all for it. So yeah, we didn't expect it to go on as long as it did, but that's how it worked out. Yeah, because I remember around that era, it sort of um, it hit more of a, a youth market. Like, is that is was that yeah. like the sort of the transition the company yeah, the, was taking? The late nineties. Yeah, was it was that like um like sort of where you were going after uh, like sort of a lot of the pros left and the company was sort of changing a bit? Well, yeah, with World, that was the direction. We had other brands that weren't like that at all, but um, yeah, with World, that we saw that as like what to do since the writers weren't, um, you know, we had had some of the writers leave the company. <laughs> I think Steve was kind of bitter over that. So he was kind of relishing the fact that we could do all these logo boards and not pay royalties. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had a lot of other pro writers and he had other companies, but with world, it's like world was like supporting everything with these logo boards. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was, that was massive. Like, Oh, um, as I said, I was working, for the distributor in um in london at the time and they were like you know they'll get like um you know like a few boxes of each board but then when with those like wet willy and flame boy boards they'll get like five pallets of them you know it's just the kids just loved them you know all the young yeah it's really crazy yeah yeah you know all their parents were buying them where as you sort of um get a bit older and if you've been skating for long enough you start like trying to get hooked up through your friends who are sponsored and all that sort of stuff. So you're not buying as many boards, but, um, yeah, it was always like those, those, uh, those like younger marketed boards just walking out. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. If you're a younger skater, you're not sponsored, you're not getting flow and you're more drawn towards like cartoons and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And your parents are paying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you were like the, uh, also the art director of Big Brother magazine when it first started. Like, had you had any experience in publication or anything when you when that when that kicked off? 
Uh, not really. And technically, I wasn't the art director. The art director was Jeff Tremaine. Oh, okay. He was also the managing editor. And, like, I kind of saw myself as, like, the editor. Like, I, I like uh, writing. <laughs> and I wanted to, like, have a hand in, like, ed- editing people's uh, material that they submitted. So, that, and it was a good outlet because, like, you know, I do gra- I did graphics still. And then I could, like, switch over and do writing and editing for, for the magazine. Yeah, that was pretty groundbreaking when that magazine came out. It was like, um, I guess it really worked well with what you'd done in the part, like with all the skate graphics and all that. It was like, we're going to do whatever the hell we feel like doing, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of worked out well because, like, at that point, like, um, after doing, like, all the, the quote-unquote controversial graphics, like, they started not selling as well. <laughs> um, so then we could do all the controversial stuff in the magazine as, an, as a you know, different way of getting it out out there yeah were, like um were you thinking up a lot of those stories or was it just sort of everyone just coming up with different ideas uh yeah everyone would we'd get a lot of submissions from like freelancers and i'd come up with some story ideas um and uh i just got to do a plug here um they uh finally finished uh the documentary on big brother uh it's uh directed by patrick odell oh cool later yeah, yeah, have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've watched all of them. They're really good. Yeah, but did you know about the doc- the documentary is going to be coming out um, June third, and it's it's only going to be streaming online. Oh, okay. Which I was kind of hoping you'd get a theatrical release, but that's a little unrealistic. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be streaming on uh, Hulu. I don't know if they have Hulu in, in Australia. No. Somebody no, said I don't, that. I, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's a streaming thing like Netflix. Oh, okay. Do they have Netflix in Australia? Yeah, they got Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's similar to that. Um, yeah, maybe they'll get it out there some some other way. Yeah, um, definitely want to check that out. I get they got yeah, the, it, got the right guy under the job. Patrick O'Dell knows what he's doing with as far as yeah. They actually premiered it, uh, it recently in New York, and I went to see the premiere. Um, Were you happy with the way it came it, out? Yeah, it, it's kind of like I. Like I'm really interested in seeing the response of from like more of like a non-skate um, like audience because it it's kind of treated as like a backstory of Jackass because you know all the the guys that were involved in the magazine not me but they they went on to do Jackass <laughs> so I think that that gives it like a crossover appeal to like you know people that don't know anything about skateboarding and then on who they I know they have comments when they <laughs> stream stuff so that'll be interesting to see yeah. I remember it was really like being a skater. It was really weird that, um, seeing like Jackass get get started and all that, and it was on on TV and everything. It's like, oh, hang on, this is like sort of um, this sort of world that we're we're in with skating that only skaters really know about. Suddenly, it's sort of it's it's all mainstream and and everyone's into it. It was really really weird to see. I agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess it was a lot closer to you because you knew everyone personally. So uh, yeah. Um. So we, uh, with um, some of the uh, like the out there stories that um, Big Brother used to do, like were any, were any of the, um, you know, what, what were some of the ones that you came up with? Um, well, in the first issue, I wrote a story with Nottis, and I, I kind of just used s- stuff from our trip. We went to Disneyland. To, um, that back at that time. <laughs> We would Rocco would actually let us borrow his credit card and forge his signature, I think. And uh, you know, so we'd go on all these like different trips. Like we went to Disneyland one day, and 
on the uh, you know the um, on the idea that we're you know researching for graphics, which I think something came out of it. <laughs> you know, it's mostly just to goof off and have fun. Uh, that was in the first issue. Um, the the idea to go to uh, Disneyland again, like in I think I think like maybe the fifteenth or sixteenth issue. I don't I can't remember the number. Uh, I had this idea <clears throat> to take the band Slayer to Disneyland and for like a photo shoot and an interview. And uh, miraculously, it worked out. Like I would, I would give Rick Kosick was our photographer, but he, at the time also he would deal with our advertisers, and he would arrange um, band interviews. He would call up the publicists from the record companies, and uh, so I gave him, him this impossible task to call Slayer's record label and get the publicist uh, to take them to Disneyland in a limousine with our writers, <laughs> and then. We, you know, party with us and go to the park. And uh, so that was, that's in the documentary coming up, but that was really memorable. Yeah. Cause I, I like, I remember reading it and thinking like all the, um, like all the stuff that were part of the magazine sort of became like the celebrities in the magazine. You know what I mean? Like Rick Kosick, like he, you know, he's a photographer. So <laughs> he should be behind the lens. You should never really know what he looks like or anything, but he was always in the magazine. And, you know, I remember, um, yeah, you see, like, when you guys did, like, the Bong Olympics and all that sort of stuff, you'd see all the skaters and all, but also, you know, um, all the people from in the industry all, like, seeing you can smoke the most cones and all that. It was <laughs> just really funny to see, you know. It's, like, sort of making um, celebrities out of all the all the people who were behind the scenes. When you were working for Big Brother, I remember um, you did the uh, the cover with uh, Metallica on it. That was um yeah that was pretty funny because I remember uh, reading in there that like you you had to you know because there was an interview with them in there their their terms and conditions where they had to feature yeah, their, on the cover their, their publicist uh, told Cossack like the only way that they're going to agree to do the interview is if, if they appear on the cover so the cover it's uh, like well I I sent the interview proposal to Metallica or, or Rick did on my behalf and the idea was like okay we want to photograph you on your hands and knees lying down on the ground and have Danny way, uh, do a launch ramp, uh, you know, jump over you guys. And so then I did a really sketchy, like stick figure drawing. It just, I just cut out their heads <laughs> and added stick figure bodies to like, you know, stick figures, uh, kneeling on the ground. It was really kind of like a <laughs> sarcastic, uh, I, a photo pitch. I think I was still upset over their latest album load, which I didn't really like at the time. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't want to do that obviously. So then we just used this, the, the illustrated proposal for the cover. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, with, uh, with all your, your work at big brother, is that what led you to, um, get work with, uh, Larry Flint through, uh, Hustler as well? Uh, no, I did do some freelance illustration for Hustler, but that actually preceded, um, well, uh, yeah, it was by the time I was doing Big Brother, but it, there wasn't any correlation. That was uh, I got the, the gig with Hustler through an art show, and uh, so I had some pieces in the art show, and the editor of Hustler <laughs> went to the art show with another artist friend of his, um, and uh, they they saw my paintings, and they like, oh, look, who's this guy? And then uh, the, the artist, uh, his name is The Piz. He's a friend of Alan. Alan was the, the editor of Hustler. He's like, yeah, Alan wants you to call him. 
uh, to do some illustrations for Hustler. And like the graphics that were the paintings that I had in the show were uh, a Guy Mariano graphic of Jane's, Jane Mansfield. So kind of like a pinup style drawing and the similar pinup style drawing for Rudy Johnson, which was uh, this girl in a huge giant. She's like hugging a huge giant spark plug and like a real huge phallic symbol. So those are the paintings that the, the guy from Hustler saw. And he's like, I wanted to get my work in the magazine. And that was like uh, probably like 92. And then coincidentally, Larry Flint bought Big Brother in 1997. Um, but that was really kind of random. That didn't really have anything to do. One thing didn't really have anything to do, do with the other. Yeah. And what was that? Was um, like, how did the magazine end up wrapping up? Like, was that did it just sort of start losing sales and all that and decide to close the doors or? Like, well, I, I stopped uh, contributing uh, um, to the magazine when Larry Flint bought it in 1997. And I had actually bought a qu- uh, one quarter, like 25% stake in the company in 1993. So when we sold it to Larry Flint, <laughs> you know, I, I got um, a return on my investment. <laughs> and then I didn't really like, I didn't want to be an employee of Flint, you know, I, as, you know, after like running the magazine or help running, help to run it, like Definitely, no one ever told us what to do, and things kind of changed when they went over to Larry Flint. So, I, I stopped contributing at that point. Yeah. Um, and then it, they went on strong for like another seven or eight years, I think, after that, to like 2002, I think. But yeah, things have a lifespan, like companies and brands have lifespans. And finally, Flint decided to uh, shit can it. Yeah. Because I did notice that when um, Larry Flint bought it, it, it became a bit more um, standard, if you know what I mean. Like when when it yeah. first came out, yeah. every every issue had a different format. Like one would be like you know A five, and then the next one would be like spiral bound, and then one would come in like a box of cereal and things like that. You know, like every, every issue, you didn't know what you were going to get. But then once it, um, I guess Flint took it over, it became like you know the um, the logo was always exactly the same and. You, you know what I mean? It was like, um, yeah, it was a bit more templated, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like one of the reasons they had to do that was, um, because they went from being bi-monthly where you have like two months at a time to come out, come out with each issue issue. Like they had to go to monthly. So they had to like kind of departmentalize the magazine. And then, uh, like Jeff talks about this in the documentary. <laughs> um, like they had one issue that came with free stickers <laughs> and then uh so that was like a really good selling uh issue for them when they were at flint so flint's like well every issue from now on should have that same uh uh logo on the cover not, not realizing that it was the stickers that really sold the magazine rather than the logo and then i think they were kind of bummed out about that they had to keep the same logo every issue from then on yeah so um Getting back to uh, the graphics that you were doing, um, like, did, did you enjoy getting back to your um, like original style that you were known for when um, like Cliche jo- uh, joined Dwindle and you were doing graphics for them? Yeah, uh, I have said this before to Al. Like Al Boglio, like kind of like resuscitated my <laughs> skate graphic career because like Al was like from that era, like when he was really starting to skate, like like what you were talking about in the in the early nineties. So when Cliche came on to be one of our brands, you know, Al wanted to like work with me, <laughs> you know, and revisit that same vibe from that era. And, uh, cause like, you know, it, it, 
I was at, at a point where I was like a little uninspired, <laughs> but it's, it helps when like you're collaborating with somebody that's like you're, you're on the same wavelength <laughs> and, uh, that worked out really well, but now cliche has been discontinued. So yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. It was good to see you did some um, graphics for some uh, Aussie skaters as well, you know, like um, like Andrew Brophy and Sammy Winter and um, you know Tass Pappas as well. Like it was yeah. good to see some um, Aussies get the uh, Mark McKee graphics on their boards. Yeah, it was really great uh, working on the, the graphic for Tuss because like it meant a lot to him because like he bit, went through with so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of bi- autobiographical or biographical. The only downside was like uh, we wanted to come out with a T-shirt for the graphic too. But I only wanted to do the evil side, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh no, I can't have just the evil side as a T-shirt." So we didn't do the T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's been through it, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's an insane. I gotta watch the movie. It's an insane story, but yeah, 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 yeah it's worth seeing. It yeah, it's made by a uh, a, a local skater, um, Eddie Martin. Or well, he used to skate anyway. Now he's yeah. making movies, but um, you know, he was around in those circles with with uh tass and ben you know it yeah was, um, it's good to see because it's a you know a real local movie for me because uh you know it was all set in melbourne you know everything I was, I was there when a lot of it was happening and it was um yeah yeah crazy movie but it's definitely worth checking out um so were there uh, other companies you wanted to work for like throughout your career or have you always been really happy at dwindle um yeah i've just been really happy with my situation uh never really uh, reached out to anybody else that, that i could think of mm. i mean it was fun doing the hustler illustrations for a little while but <laughs> yeah just my situation's been like just uh really good good for me <laughs> never wanted to leave eh? you've been there since the beginning pretty much haven't you yeah it's funny now because it's it's like uh there's been such like turnovers in uh management and seen so many people come and go it's a little not lonely but yeah, it's just it's not it's just diff- it's not quite the same but it's still a great job yeah so um like do you have any uh, up and coming projects that you can talk about at the moment um not really i mean i'm still doing graphics like all the time but it's hard for me. I, I can't really keep track of like when stuff is released, because um, uh, just the way that we sell our boards now, they get booked and like far in advance, and then you know they get submitted to to be made, and they don't they're not available for sale for like another year or so. I guess the stuff that's out right now would be um, I did a, like a zodiac uh, like the zodiac themed series for almost those are available right now and i did some stuff recently for dark star oh yeah i had like this almost major epic fail for dark star um i did a, a i was supposed to do a gra- graphic for uh, this skater named dave bakinski and uh so I, I wanted to do like a portrait of him uh he's into like canoeing and he, he manufactures uh or he makes um paddles out of recycled skateboards i think or he you know they're laminated like skateboards like canoe paddles so it's a picture of him on a, in a canoe. <laughs> so I Googled, uh, like I never met him in person, so I, I Googled him, Google image. Like I use Google images a lot for uh, like references and, uh, you know, just to see what his portrait looked like. And somebody had labeled this guy Figgy. That's his nickname. What's his yeah. real name? 
He's a Justin, skater. Justin Figueroa, whatever his name. Yeah. Somebody had labeled him as Dave Bikinski. So I used that as the reference. And he's wearing <laughs> sunglasses in, in the photo. So you couldn't, I couldn't quite tell. They, they, they don't look identical, but like I made that mistake. And so uh, I sent it to um, MT, who's art director for Dark Star. And he forwarded it to Dave Bikinski. And he's like, He's like, yeah, Dave's response was like, yeah, it's, it's okay, but, like, it really looks like Figgy. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> it's the wrong, like, portrait. So I, re- I drew, redrew the, uh, the portrait. I was able to in time. So yeah. luckily, that would be, like, an epic fail, as they say. Yeah. Should send it to Figgy. You're probably stoked to have, his, uh, <laughs> have a Mark McKee drawing, you know. <laughs> anyway. um, so where's the best place for uh, people to view your artwork online? Um, I got markmckee.com as my website. Um, that's up. And uh, I've been using Instagram. I got. I was really surprised I got at Mark McKee for Instagram. So I was kind of stoked on that. Um, so I'm trying to post stuff on there. Not too regularly, but those are the two current uh, places. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for taking the, uh, the time to sit down and have a chat. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been been a long time coming. You're someone I've wanted to interview since I started the podcast, so it's uh it's been really good to catch up. Great. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.